0: Cool technologies. I do have a couple of things that I wanted to to kind of bring up. One of them was global search. I, I and this happened today, and I'm not sure if this is a th- a thing or not. But do you know how global search works with users? Because I know it it filters out a bunch of data, tries to be smart about what it shows you. So it tries to pull in stuff that is relevant or recently viewed and tra- prioritizes that over things. And some things drop off. Anyways, aren't w- they using Einstein to? <sighs> aren't they just asking Einstein? No, they're using Chatter right now for global search. Yeah. Remember, you have to have Chatter <laughs> to use exactly. global search. So it's just start searching Chatter, I guess. That, that, so anyways,
1: that's a common sense coupling right there.
0: So I have I have some code that, that queries users for like a custom lookup, and users are picking the wrong user because apparently we have, I'm not sure what the scenario is, but in the system, the user is in there twice, one as a standard user and one as a high, oh, is it a high volume yeah, okay. prof, uh, portal, user. portal user? Yeah. I'm not sure why they're in there twice. I don't want to get into that. But anyways, the users were picking the the high volume one because it was showing up in the search results. But in native Salesforce, when you do global search, that doesn't show up. It seems like global search is only pulling standard users. And I, I looked around and I really couldn't find much on it other than an idea from 2014 that said, hey, uh, it's only bringing up standard users now. So I don't know if there was some change around winter 14 that that changed the way that search worked or what, but I don't know. That's that's where I'm at with that. Wow, I'm sorry you're
1: having to deal with that. Because that's like the last kind of thing I would ever want to deal with, is what? Just some built-in feature that has always been weird. Yeah, you know, and you don't have much control over, and you're just you're you're just going to find out that it doesn't do what you want to do, and there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah, and that's pretty much what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I found out I'm a bad coder. I'm a horrible developer. I've been telling you that for years, John. Yeah. So I'm trying to be humble and realize that I'm a really bad. How developer. did you discover this? Uh, I. I spent a week writing some code, and because I estimated enough time, I had enough time to really go in and really refactor. Um, and so I did a lot of refactoring, and I realized I it was this Apex code. It was all Apex code. Yeah. How, how are you accomplishing this refactoring? That <laughs> <laughs> just rewriting, just just a lot of rewriting. Um, oh. There's no there's no helper or anything to refactor. And did you? I mean, did you have to rename any classes though, or? I did I did end up creating new classes and get, getting rid of older classes and unfortunately none of this was in production. Otherwise this would have been a that would have affected my my refactoring. If if I ha, if I have to delete something from production, it affects my i might just end up trying to just skip it. <laughs> I might try to end up reusing it or, or whatever, which, which yeah,
1: how do you deploy
0: a refactor to any other any org? It has to be whether a it's del- a sandbox
1: de- or a production. Has to be delete and create. Has to be delete and create. And sometimes I mean what about renames? I mean there's can you really? I mean, there's certain kinds of renames you can do. Um, in, I mean, here's an example. Like, let's say you rename a field. Uh-huh. I mean, think of all the places that field exists in the metadata on your local disk that would have to be updated. Anywhere it's mentioned in formulas, anywhere it's mentioned in um, reports, report definitions, and if you're tracking yeah.
0: all this metadata, this is this is why I, I don't know how I don't know how you do this. Well. Well, this was even all code too. I wasn't even yeah. I wasn't even refactoring any kind of fields or right. data model stuff. It okay. was just all code. That's good. Um, well, what was interesting is that I had outlined out my code. I, I outlined all the classes and everything I wanted, and everything ha- I was trying to you know stick to the single single responsibility kind of paradigm or whatever mantra, whatever you want to call it. Um, and as I went through and refactoring, I realized I bloated the crap out of my code. I had classes that. Well, one thing that that it was pissing me off was I couldn't. And we talked about this. Is we couldn't. Ex- I couldn't extend a list. So I created a class that was basically a wrapper for it for a list. But I didn't want to make it. I didn't Nothing want to ex- can use that. Though. I didn't want except to do your own. It. Except your own custom code. Yeah, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to make it an iterable because then I can only use it in a while. I wanted to be able to use a four. A and, four doesn't. Yeah, for, iterable? No, it has to be like a list or a map no. or something. Yes, no. I don't know. I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that an iterable, when I've tried it, it didn't like it or something. Mm. Maybe there was something that about, with an iterable that it didn't like. So anyways, I just created a wrapper class and everything, and so that had a bunch of helper methods in it to help me deal with these lists because there was things about the list, like, you know, give me the ones that are selected or give me one of them that's selected or just give me this one piece of data out of it that I would have had to put into my controller and I didn't want to do that. You're working out. in any, any kind of modern language. You could have just done uh, list dot filter
1: and pass in a nice short little uh, Lambda uh, <laughs> to, to filter that out. Right.
0: Yeah. Not, not uh, on this world. No Lambdas for us. A tangent. I mean, I, I we talk, again, we talked about this earlier. See, we, you can't have, do this with Salesforce. I remember, I remember when I first heard about Lambdas and I, and I got exposed to it and I didn't like them. And then I gave them a shot and I just kind of forced myself to to try to use them in different scenarios, especially That's as. It's so as, weird to he even, ha- even hear the way you describe that. Like you didn't like lambdas. Well, because my, my first doesn't like oh, lambdas
1: when they I mean, usually the first time you see a lambda, you're like, oh my God, I'm in love with that. Because it well, makes whatever. the first
0: time I saw lambdas was was with Link, and I I saw it as this ORM thing. I didn't see it as this language oh, thing. Okay. And so I saw it as this this ORM specific thing when I first got introduced to lambdas, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, oh, you know, I just it just became this tedious thing to me. Um, and so it wasn't until when I really got into it that I realized, oh, it's not a ORM specific thing; it's a language thing. And then I started really starting to use it in different different scenarios, and I really came to love it. So it's just one of those things where my first impressions of it were, you know, wrong about what it was and its utility. Yeah. Um, so anyways, back to the refactoring, I I, I, not only did I, did I create classes that were unnecessary, I had all these helper methods to do things because I thought I was trying to break up my code and make it really unique. And it was just, it was just a pain. There's a lot of extra classes. There's a lot of extra functions to call and, in in most cases, I had one function that maybe looped through two or three of those lists at, at the end of it once I refactored everything, and it was clean and simple. Um, and so it, it got me to thinking that, you know, sometimes I over engineer things. Sometimes I kind of try to make it bigger than what it is instead oh. of just sticking to something simple. I mean, you've got to, what's your, pro- what do you feel like your process is
1: for designing,
0: you know, your, well, I, usually, implementation. I usually, it's when it comes to something a little more complicated like this, um, I usually try to outline what I'm going to build. So I kind of have a general idea of where things are going to land. Do you, how do
1: you outline this? What are you doing?
0: I just have like a little text file, and I just kind of list out a bunch of classes that I think I'm going to need and just yeah. try to figure out how I'm going to organize certain pieces of functionality.
1: Are you familiar with the CRC technique? What's that? Um, class Responsibility Collaborator, I think. Hmm. It's been around forever. It's... um. Uh, get just like one of the newer uh what's her name? Rebecca Worfs Brock or Rebecca Brock's. I can't remember which it is. Um she has a book called Object Oriented Design. Let's see, Rebecca Worfs Brock uh Design book. Oh, object design, I guess. Hmm. But it's um not just all about how to like when you are, you know, you've got your problem and you're kind of solutioning in your head or whatever. Like how do how do you actually Boil that down into like in the in the classes, and basically you for you ca- I think you create a class for each. I don't ever use this. I mean I've done stuff like this in the past, but and not anymore. I don't. Um, you you break you put each class on a on a uh, what do you call the little uh, index card. Mm-hmm. And like you at the top of it, you, like you write the name of it. I think that's the class, and then you you list a, its responsibilities. You know, like a bullet list under there. And on the back, I think it's on the back. I'm not sure. You you list its collaborators. Like what how it collaborates basically with other objects. Mm-hmm. And so you, you kind of just, you can lay these down on the table and almost just kind of move them around. And you can, you can kind of see your, your class, your design of these different classes and how they're going to work together.
0: Yeah. I don't get as far as how they're going to interact. I, I do get as far as, you know, what the class is, what its responsibilities are, what the potential methods are, properties are in some cases, if, if it's something that's re- a little more complex, um, and then I just start building. I, I create, I stub them out, and then I start, you know, stubbing out the methods, and then, I, and then I start working with them. Yeah. And my goal is always to refactor them down. It's just, as I was refactoring, I was like, man, I'm really having to refactor more than I thought here. Yeah. I thought I had organized this really well to save me some refactoring time. I thought... That I thought this through. Um, I but mean, it turns it, out I just had like even a validation method. I had a validation class that re, that was specific for all the results. I was like, all I really care about is a list of what the validation errors are. If that list is empty, because in, in this specific scenario, now if I was building some kind of framework or some kind of application that had to respond and push these events and and you know all that kind of stuff, yeah. but really this was just a really simple use okay. case where I just needed to validate some something on an object yep. and just return. It, and so I had like this response class and I had all these methods on it and properties. Again, requests and responses. Yes. And, and then so I, I request I, so then a I validation. Like, then I was like, okay. oh, wait a minute. Now I need a validation request because I want to pass the data in, but I want to encapsulate it. And then I was like, you know what? This is getting crazy. This is getting dumb. <laughs> so I just pass the object in, let it validate. And, it, and all I do is check the, the result list that yeah. comes back. It's either empty or it's not. And if it's not empty, then I chunk out chunk out the errors. Sometimes you think the problem is more difficult than what it is.
1: And then once you develop the solution, you're like, oh, it's actually not as difficult as what I thought it was. I'll just like get rid of these classes. I don't need to, you know, instead of needing a validation class, which you can which you can extend for each type of validation, right? Yeah. You just need like one method that just, or maybe a couple methods, like validate has last name, validate is greater than zero, or whatever, a couple methods, right? And, and then like, you know, in the future, if this thing gets, the app gets bigger and like you need, you know, again to follow like the open closed principle, mm-hmm. which, uh, what is it? Um Open for oh gosh, do you know this? Open <laughs> um, this is sure, hold on, my Google brain's catching up to me. <laughs> open for extension, but closed for modification. so basically, every time you want to add a new kind of validation, right. you don't have to modify the existing stuff. you can extend it. Um, it's open for extension by uh, like in this case extending or you know implementing a, a validator interface basically yeah. or something like that so.
0: But that, that's kind of the mode I was stuck in. I was kind of stuck in this mode of I was trying to plan for the future. And it, I mean, it's good to do, but at the same time, I was just kind of, I, was, I really felt like I really over-engineered this and I really needed to simplify it. So as part of my refactoring, I went back in and simplified things. Um, it also made unit testing a lot easier because now I was dealing with more concrete concepts versus really mm, abstract yeah. concepts. I will say that factoring out into more
1: classes tends to give you more testable, and I'm not talking about your case, because in your case, it was so simple, it's probably easy to test anyway, right? Yeah. Um, but when you find out that you've got these, like, giant god classes that are doing all kinds of stuff, and those get hard to test because if you're testing through the public interface, right? And assuming right. you're correctly making things private that have no business being shared outside of a class, right? Right. It's hard. So it can be hard to, to exercise through the public interface, like, every, you know, kind of permutation that will, that will cause all these private c- code paths to be executed. Yeah. Whereas, and if you have a an embedded concept of, of a validator just kind of swallowed into a class if you break that out into a separate interface and and you know and then implementing classes thereof then you can those aren't buried in private things anymore now they're they're classes that you can you can write tests for each one of those classes very right. easily
0: yeah so yeah, and I do try to stick to that principle that it's very rare that I'll use a test visible attribute annotation I an annotation I don't know
1: that I've ever used that What does that do? It makes it makes like a private thing public or
0: public to a test class. Yeah, Yeah. I've used it in cases where my code never, never. My code, my code, my code, (laughs) the code, the code will will run that method and I'll get good coverage. But I'll want to I'll want to test various scenarios that may or may not be possible with my code. And I know that seems like overkill. But keep saying my code. You know, you have your code and Benioff has his Fitbit.
1: The code I write.
0: The code I write,
1: <laughs> I gotta get you on the sunboard. My code, I'll apply it right next to Benioff <laughs> <for> with this Fitbit.
0: <laughs> anyway, so what am I supposed to say?
1: I don't know. I don't mean to des- derail you, but uh, we're gonna get complaints that I that I'm interrupting you too much. So sorry, I'll shut up. <laughs> I lost my place. Uh, see exactly. Now that we're really gonna get complaints.
0: <laughs> see, I told you, I, you, com- you interrupt too much. Uh, well, I, I I don't I don't know where I was going with that, but I, either way, I I think I think that. There are very few cases where I think it's valid to do that because, really, you want to be able to test all your public interfaces or public methods or whatever your public interactions and let let that call your private stuff because that that's the way it should work. Yeah, I mean, if you can't exercise all code paths through the private interface or something, then you have dead code that needs to be removed,
1: right? Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: I, you know what? I think I have, I know where I use it. I use it on error handling because I have, like, an error handler method and it'll do some logging and chunk it out to the Apex page messages. And I want to cover that but there are scenarios where I have I can't get, get it to fire the the, the error handler. The exception. Yeah. Well that's that's a weird part of it. And if I it. replicate that code for every one of my methods, then I have like three, three lines of code across for each public method that I'd have to just basically say, Oh, I can't test it. So at least I turn it into one out of those three. So each three has one line that it can't get test. Yeah. It can't test, but I can at least test that error handler to make sure that it gets. I'd have to have a lot of
1: untestable code before I would do that. I'm I'm okay with um like a lot of these cases where you can't because Salesforce doesn't let you throw any built in exceptions. It it doesn't, doesn't, unless something's changed. Like you can't throw a DML exception just so you can test code, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I end up with untestable catch blocks. Um and if they're pretty simple, I'm I'm just okay with that code not being covered. I, I you know, I don't believe in the uh, you know get as much coverage as you can or even people that are like crazy like you and jay like i want to get 100%. I mean that's a fool's <laughs> errand i think. Um and i you know i want enough coverage. I want the right coverage. I want to cover things that can plausibly break. When you look at a you know i'm not i don't care about testing my getters and setters if they're just if they're using automatic storage. I don't care about a catch block that's all it's doing is doing a logging statement or something. I'm i'm totally okay with that not being uh, testable. It and as long as all of your other code has decent covers, it's not like you it's not like you're relying on some classes having like ninety eight, ninety nine percent coverage to pull your tests that only have fifty or sixty percent up. So to so your average is, you know, as long as your all your code's got, you know, eighty ish percent, you know, that's that's a pretty healthy
0: number. I, I get that, but I think and I try not to stress about the the exception handlers too much. But I do. <laughs>
1: I can see you just like in bed at two in the morning, can't sleep because you're worried about exce- exception handlers.
0: <laughs> but I, I do, I do like Damn striving you, for hundred. you DML exception. I do like striving for hundred where I can, and I get really excited when I get that hundred because I feel like okay, that class is it's it's tested. Oh, I don't man. have to worry about it. I know that everything in there, at least, at least to, to the best of my abilities, should work, assuming I have the right test scenarios. But yeah, um, which is possible that they're all wrong, and I test I got a hundred percent just bad test coverage, but. And and co- and yeah, and coverage doesn't mean quality tests either. Yeah. Right? No. So we've seen plenty of those that, those examples. But trying to get the output is tough too because I mean, there's a lot of things that could affect the output. So even trying to get the right kind of assertions can get difficult in certain things. I mean, some scenarios I'm just like, okay, I, I'm not going to assert this because I really, all, all I'm really trying to test is that this happened without error and I would love to validate that but there are other things happening that are out of my control like a lot of times when I do a before update, um, I can't rely on the trigger and test the results. I have to actually call the method, validate that my method did what it was supposed to do, and then hand it off because so many things can touch it after that yeah. and change my results. Yep. And I know I, sh- I maybe I should care and get it to do that, and then have it fail that way. Someone changes something like a workflow rule or something, but the reality is, it ends up biting me in the ass more than anything. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> at
1: some point there should be, and I'm, you know, there should be end-to-end tests to make sure that yeah when someone creates you know hits this button in salesforce after they've you know filled out a form that after all the triggers and everything run that this is the end result of what's in the database or what's you know some some you know something you know, happening whatever the end result was yeah and
0: but sometimes it just comes down to but oh, I, go ahead. I was just going to say i mean so
1: that that's that tells you that you know that, that's like a func- is that like a functional test or an integration that's more like a functional test i guess yeah that it's it's end to end but also, I mean if those, if if all you have is functional tests, then when things when one of them fails for some reason, like right. um it can be hard to actually figure out what the hell's happening if you don't have some more granular fine-grained tests also. Yeah. But I could and I I've, I've been saying this. I've really moved to and it's not just it's not just an Apex code, it's in general. I'm I and I never was a I never I never got into TDD as a way to design code because that's really what it is. Hmm. Um and I don't. I don't think that like having just loads of you you know fine grained unit test coverage is is all that useful really. Um, if 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 I only had to pick if I only had to have one kind of test, it would be uh, only you know only functional tests in 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 testing because that's really what matters. That's what the customer cares about. And if all that's passing, then you've proven that you're doing what the require what the requirements are. Yeah. Um, where it's beneficial to have some more granular testing. So w- what's um. What's in between function integration testing? I guess where um, maybe you're just testing that uh, I don't know. You know, like the interaction between classes or between interaction between subsystems or something. Um, it can be useful to have some of those as well, um, just because it can give you a better idea of where a problem is. Yeah, your end end's gonna fail, but it, an end an end end failing test oftentimes doesn't tell you where the problem is. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you have loads of unit tests, if you've done, like say you've TDDed an entire, from beginning to end on a project, and it's a, you know, I don't know, let's say it's a decent sized project, 100,000 line project or something. You've got so many unit tests that aren't, in my opinion, that useful, but they're a huge liability. I mean, that's a lot of test code that's got to be maintained. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm not in love with it. And I'm not the only one. I've I've noticed a trend against unit, not against, but... I would say away from a ad, drift away from the
0: importance of having just like full unit test coverage. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting concept. I mean are you saying in terms of just assertions or just in terms of just creating multiple scenarios? Now I'm talking about specifically unit tests. Hmm. So tests that, you
1: know, only involve one class and you're mocking, you know, inputs and checking outputs
0: and well, That's a foreign concept in the Salesforce world. It is. There's no mocking.
1: Well there's I mean there's hardly any People I mean that actually hard, there's hardly knew, any code
0: you write that isn't is interacting with the with the system.
1: Well, that's because everyone's tightly coupled and and everyone's violating the um uh you know the principle of coding against abstractions. Everyone codes directly to uh the Salesforce built-in classes, the database class, all that. They're they're coding directly to the uh the the DML keywords. And so yeah, you can't once you do that, you can't can't stub that out. I mean, Apex doesn't give you the option to um to mock out like the database class or you can 't do anything like that, right? so no, so you if, can't even extend them no which I but, would love to do, but what some people do is they they don't code to any of those built in classes they're coding to their own abstractions, and then of course at runtime those are uh those are performed by you know the real things, and in test mode or whatever they
0: they can be performed by mocks or stubs or. Yeah, I mean, there are scenarios where I'm able to get that to work, but uh, m- most of the time it ends up becoming more of a headache to have to manage this <laughs> no. wrapper class with, with that also has a property that I usually end up having to call record that is in reference to the actual S object because I need that for for the Visual Force rendering or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it it, it kind of sucks that we can't extend these classes or we can't we can't do things. It's, to, John, to it's, a, it's a database out. triggering language. Okay, don't expect too much. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, popping the stack. I. It's it. I think it's things like this that humble me, that make me think. You know, when I think I have it straight, that I think I got this, that I realize I don't have it. <laughs> I still got still got a long way. No, to I, go. I think you're not supposed to get something right the first time. Because if well, you- I I I, <laughs> I think what I felt at the time was, you know, I'm I'm going through my process. I got these things outlined. I know what I'm going to build. I you know I re I kind of refactored my my outline and, and that, simplified it at some point and then I built okay. it and I was like crap I made some bad decisions here and so I refactored that and I I, I mean I agree I'm not always going to like what I first built I just really thought that I had prepared myself enough that I did enough planning ahead of time that I wasn't going to have as oh, many issues as I had there's your where's my buzzer I mean that's the thing
1: you can't plan you can't you you can't plan ahead of time like that you can't plan stuff it
0: in, wasn't planning it was, orga- it, it was organized yeah. organization is probably yeah. a better word I was just trying to get organized yeah. I forgot what I'm going to build and start stubbing things out and the the best uh, the best laid plan don't
1: survive first contact with the enemy so just have an approach go start building stuff refactor mercilessly and constantly yeah and uh, you'll end up with good code that does the right thing hopefully I well, mean I, it gives you at least it gives you a good chance at it
0: well it does but he, here's the other the other part of this that that um, made me kind of Think twice because I thought I had planned everything out and organized things well. I really didn't expect my refactoring time to be as much as it was. Fortunately, I had some time. Like it
1: sounds like you waited to the end of refactor instead of just constantly. No, refactoring. I was refactoring
0: as I went. You okay. know, I, I would build like this method. Just my, my normal thing is I would outline my method as I write it and start pulling things out into its own functions. And and as I finish a class, I would start unit testing that class. I, I know I probably should do it first, but I, I would write the test and get that cleared out. And so I was like working on this very low level code until I got up to basically the the controller class, yeah. which was where the user starts using it. So I'm building all this stuff up. Um, but it wasn't until I got to my controller class I was like, this is kind of overkill. Like, I don't need this validation class with all these validation response, which also has like a list of validation results within it. And when there's like three classes to do validation, I'm like, all I really want to do is spit out these, these messages to the user. That's it. And so I refactored that. And then I found a few other instances where I kind of just overkilled it a bit, you know, because again, I was working my way from bottom up. So even within that, I was refactoring. But then when I got to what I was actually, what I really needed to expose to the user or what I really needed for this whole process to work, I had way too much going on there. And so I started to refactor that again. And so it was just just this longer Mm -hmm. process than I anticipated just because, you know, just the way it turned out. And I was a little concerned that had I not estimated enough time, I would have, I would have screwed myself because I really needed to go back in and refactor it. Yeah. For, for maintenance sake. Yep. Um, and I saw someone say that
1: there's going to be no videos of the, or recordings of the Dreamforce sessions. And it's just but, going to be but just that, like but last year. They'll that,
0: record, they'll record like the big stuff, the keynotes and like the campfires and all that kind of crap.
1: See, this is one of those things I not mean to say crap. Sorry. After, you know, after Dreamforce happens, I always, um, I'm always like, even, even when we went that a couple of years ago, um, I'm always just like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm, when I get home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down and make a list of all the videos I want to watch. I'm, I'm going to go watch these Dreamforce recordings. And I don't think I've actually done that once. I've never
0: actually gone and <laughs> watched one of those sessions. I think some people would like to go watch the videos for sessions that they couldn't make it to. Y- yeah. Um, makes sense. I'm just saying it, it makes sense. And it's always and also it think, like a good idea. I just never end up doing I also think it. the presenters like knowing that the content they're putting out, the content that they... Pretty much gave for free. I mean, I guess if you're a speaker, they comp your your uh, Dreamforce or give you a percentage off. I don't remember what they do. I think it's free. Um, they don't charge you an extremely inflated price
1: to attend their event.
0: <laughs> I, I think I think you get a free pass to Dreamforce yeah. if you get selected as a speaker. But um, essentially, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of people like these speaking engagements too because it, it it's a way for them to promote promote themselves and, and their experience and their skill So yeah. whenever. Whenever you're saying you're not going to record these and put these out there, it kind of limits their audience. Yeah, you can embed that in video on your on your website or your. And it's. I mean, yeah, you get a free pass, but the trip to Dreamforce is really expensive, and the time you put into rep- preparing oh, yeah. a topic yep. and 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 when you, when you're selected for like a Dreamforce thing, it's not just you working alone in silo. You you have to meet with Salesforce and you got to do your presentation and practice it and get approval and all that kind of stuff, and and then you get to do it. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that you know, most people that do, you know, do a, a talk at Dreamforce, it's
1: probably easily thousands of dollars of their time just to prep for it. Oh, uh, yeah, if it has you, to be.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. No, but so I don't know. So I don't know if that was new or not, because then someone else said, well, actually, they're going to do the keynotes and a couple of the other things, which is pretty normal. So
0: I don't know. I think the last few years, that's what's, what's been happening. I think it's just gotten too big. There's too many sessions. There's too many things going on that they just don't have the resources to. YouTube can't handle it. Yeah, you, no, YouTube can handle it. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> don't blame YouTube. I'm just trying to think of what excuse they would have.
1: I mean, it's actually. I mean, it's got to. It's got to be expensive too. because you know the thing is. Imagine if they record every session, which I guess they used to do. That's a recording setup and crew in every room. Yep. And those are because that's all probably union run. It's all super expensive. I mean, and so, it's
0: hard enough just to get the mic situation worked out. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, you got to rent all that equipment and then
0: video. And I don't know if I don't know if liability comes into it. I mean, what if you have? I don't know. I guess maybe not. I guess they're all pre-approved. What uh, if someone trips over their microphone cord, <laughs> breaks an ankle? <laughs> well, I just mean like maybe some people don't want to be recorded or or you know, but you'd have to make them sign a release. That's yeah. for sure.
1: Th- you probably have to do that as a. I'm sure you look. I'm sure whenever you s- apply to uh, the the call for papers, that you probably have to sign away all your rights to everything anyway. So
0: yeah, probably. I'm sure. You, was, yeah, you probably do have to.
1: Another Salesforce thing is um, they. I guess the AWS in Australia went live. Oh, did
0: it? I guess. I mean, I remember you I'm, mentioning it last time, but I, I, saw, I, I thought it was already I thought I saw it in the news. Um, deal. Uh, n- no, 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 no. When they announced it? No, they hadn't even built anything yet. No, I thought I thought we talked about it a few, a few weeks ago, and you brought up that they were up and running with it already. I don't think so, because yeah. it was in the news this week. It and, wouldn't surprise uh, me. I mean... There's only a couple of companies they have
1: put on it so far, according to what what I read. But I was thinking, like, and I, does anyone know whether they just lifted and shifted their whole existing kind of pod architecture onto AWS or do they really re-architect the way everything works, the way it scales? I, I doubt for, it. Because, you know, Salesforce, that whole pod architecture, I mean, that is not, uh, that is not any, anything approaching you know, modern cloud computing techniques. Hmm. Um, so I wonder if they took this opportunity to just re-architect all that. Because if not, I'm not sure what it solves them other than just AWS just has, a, they, it's basically a way to rent a bunch of computers and power and internet access.
0: I don't see how they could have rearchitected it without affecting a lot of different things. They just—they really need to. It's just this whole pod thing causes so many problems. Yeah, but I think it's something that has to be done all—not all at once, but it has to be done across all pods at yeah. the same time. Otherwise, you're really going to have these very desperate versions going on.
1: I was just wondering, you know, I was—I uh, think in um, in Australia, I think AWS only has one region, which is uh, Sydney, right? Hmm. Um, and I was thinking, how does Salesforce? What is a site switch? Or is site switch even a thing anymore on the if when they're on AWS? I mean, what do they site switch to?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're. I mean, they're. I I don't know.
1: They may site switch to just an, another availability zone because I think you know m- all regions have multiple avail- availability zones, which mm-hmm. may just be in another building across the street, but it's
0: you know, it's something. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I don't know. That's above my pay grade. Yeah, too. I don't know. <laughs> maybe one of these uh
1: Australian people can tell us what it is. Australian people, huh? Yeah. That's what you call them. That's what Australians, I call them. maybe. Nope, they're Australian people. <laughs> the peoples of Australia. <laughs> um, hey, I have a little thing. This is super old, but it's just a little tip. In case uh you didn't know this. Uh did you know that in Sockwell, like, you know, like a common use case is to do um is to have a where clause where you say like where ID in and then you bind to like a list or a set of IDs. Mm-hmm. You also just bind to a list or a, I guess you could do a set, I've never tried, of S objects. Mm-hmm. And it will use those S objects IDs. Yes. Now it won't use, if you're trying to use another ID field on that S object, like, I don't oh, know, like Lord. the accounts content, right. but It's, it it's uses, almost like it uses the same magic it that its, maps use. Yeah, it uses its primary keys. So. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I've got probably a ton of old code where I loop through these S objects to pull out and build like a set of IDs, and I would use that as my bind variable to. Oh, to I don't filter. Do that. i I'm just, just saying create a map. I'm just saying I'm sure I've got. Oh, that's yeah, that's <laughs> and even that. You know just, why I
0: did that because it, it at the time it it was one line of code because you you know prior prior to the limit was how many lines of code you could execute was the limit.
1: Yeah, and so oh, yeah. I
0: stopped doing that and started using a map to do that. Yep. Because well, you can just you can in one line of code say new map
1: pass in your list right. and then just call dot what's it a yeah, key set dot right? key set yeah, yeah.
0: and get a set of IDs I still use that technique all the time though.
1: I do too but you don't have to <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying if you already have the list of s objects you don't you can just use that list of s objects as your bind variable
0: yeah it's rare that I'm doing queries like that though um, usually I'm trying to do something else with those IDs, but.
1: Well, like here's a use case. Let's say that you have a trigger Mm -hmm. and in the trigger, let's say you trigger on accounts, right? And you need, in the trigger, you need access to um, like uh, an, like some uh, reference off of an account. So like an, like an account, like say
0: you have a a contact or something. Uh,
1: Yeah. Like a contact's names, right? You want, or that's not a good idea or that's not a, I guess that was something like that. So I guess you, you more have like a parent, like, a parent
0: like say account dot uh, would be yeah, a better example.
1: Right. So you have to you have to actually because the trigger doesn't, it's not going to give you it's that all that stuff's not populated and right by default the triggers. So you have to query for that, mm-hmm. right? So now you have to do an account query and you've got this list of accounts that the trigger gave you, right? So is that not a good use case for that? I mean, you said you don't do those kind of things, but that's I have to do that kind of stuff all the time. Where I'm just querying for, I've already got a list of the objects, but it, those objects don't have, they didn't, they, they didn't have the things
0: queried in them that I need. So I'm having to re-query to get all that stuff. Yeah, it's not a bad use case. It's just that the way I break up my code is I usually, my code. It's the way yeah, I see, break up I, the code <laughs> that, <your> that code. <laughs> I type away at that I write. Is, is that okay? Can I say the code that I the write? The code that I write, yeah. I think, uh, I think that violates this, the spirit of not saying my code, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do I describe the code I'm responsible for? Like that? The code I'm responsible for? Uh, I guess. It's, just weird. it's Why, just weird. Well, how do you say it? I'm just usually on on
1: a team of people, and it's just usually like no one... Th- I don't know. I don't ever think of it as my code. It's just like
0: the code. It's the code. It's not mine. I don't own it. I mean, I'm being paid to write it, and I'm along with a bunch of other people. and You're on a much better team than I am because because when you touch code, you become the owner of that code. And when it when it breaks... You're the one responsible for it. Uh, yeah. You're the one that gets the flogging. You're the one that has to deal with it. it. You're the one that gets the call from from the unreasonable client who goes, this is broken. Fix it now. It's costing us billions of dollars. And you, I'm like, no, it's not. This, it's this one little thing. These teams you Let talk about. Let me get to it in the morning. No, it has to be now. These, these teams you talk about are like
1: case studies of the worst <laughs> team anti-patterns ever. Like you just, you've got them all
0: covered. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. We should write a, a book bit, about but, your teams. But I, I do work in environments where it's not just one team of developers, it's multiple teams of developers, yeah. and there's lines drawn. These, well, they're, they're virtual, invisible lines. And yes. it's like, don't cross my line. Yes. <laughs> just Don't touch my code. Don't touch my code. Nah. My code. So it can be good and bad because sometimes I don't want them touching my code or the code that I'm responsible for. <laughs> And uh, I don't want to touch their code either because I don't <laughs> like their code. I might get cooties. I might get cooties. I am not get code cooties. Uh, no, I mean, that makes sense. It's just that I, I kind of break up my, I have my query methods and then I usually have like a getter method for that. So if I want to get something, so if I want to get the IDs, that get method will call that, but I'm usually, that get method is usually just give me a set of IDs and I'll get them for you. That type of thing. Um, and that gives me a lot of flexibility in case I want to change how those IDs are retrieved. Like maybe I want to do some additional filtering or something. Then then all I have to do is change that one granular method and then everything else is working. So the way I kind of break up my code doesn't always lend itself to that. To what? To to just passing a full list of data to query. Because oh. I'm, I'm saying, just give me a list of IDs and I'll get it for you. I'll get everything you need. Because that gives me the ability to kind of just, like when I'm doing batch jobs, all I do is query the ID and then I have the code query what it needs because otherwise then I have to maintain the batch job and update that when yep. I want to add something. So there's different scenarios that I've worked out where I just like, just give me the IDs yeah. and I'll, I'll get it for you. You're making kind of finder methods that are more
1: uh, general. No, I not say general. They're more, yeah, I guess general purpose. Yeah. Because all, you, all you're
0: requiring of the caller
1: is th- an, the IDs, right. not the objects. Right.
0: Which, right. yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, I mean, your scenario is valid and I have used it in certain scenarios where I do have a list and I was like, yeah, it, actually, I use it a lot in unit tests. That's yeah. where I use it because mm. I've got the. You mean integration tests? <laughs> oh, integration. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, if you're touching the database, it's not a unit test. Uh, that's one of the, that's oh, you're, just you're, an example. You're the code it's Nazi not, today. No, not, not the code like, Nazi. It's not unit test. No, it's just one of these. It's not ex- your code. It's, it might be your code. I'm just saying. <laughs> you have a lot of code. <laughs> now this this is an example of uh, the Salesforce world uses programming terms. In a completely different way than the entire rest of the programming world does. What de- non-developers? Unit's called. Developers? No, Unitext. Did it give you a clue? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's all downhill from there, I guess. All bets are off. Yeah. What else? Uh, let's see. Any other Salesforce stuff? Let's see. Oh, someone I, asked about who asked about challenges with like scaling back and or someone in the Slack about challenges like in scaling scaling down an org. So they have like an org that's got a ton of managed packages, all kinds of development. I think they said they had it at Financial Force, and so they they made a full sandbox, and we're in the sandbox trying to just like
0: trying to unwind this org and so, un- yeah.
1: uninstall these packages, uninstall Financial Force. All so the stuff. question
0: was that they they want to start doing this, and they just ask for advice, and I brought up the bring up a full sandbox and start start tick-picking it apart, but document everything you do because you have to redo that. Manually. I mean, like, there's no way you can deploy that change, right? I mean, you should be able to. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't. No, yeah. you can't. There's so much point and click. I mean, even just uninstalling packages, I don't think there's an API for that. You can't
1: do this with Salesforce.
0: The the API-first company doesn't let you uninstall things through an API. No, they don't. <laughs> Mobile API responsive... Uh, first. Mobile first, responsive <laughs> first. Yeah. Oh, mobile's going to be Salesforce now instead of Salesforce One, so we, that, that's died. That, that Oh, uh, yeah. That uh, buzzword trend of calling things One, even though that was already an old trend. It was. That was already an old trend. No, SAP started They had, what yeah. was it? Um,
1: uh, Business One? Is that what it was? Was it One World? Was it?
0: Who's, Who does One World? That was JD so Edwards. Or, that was Oracle. Not no, Oracle? One World. What was One World? No, it was SAP, right? Oh, that that was, was one of those big ones. It was one of those big ones, yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah. One was being, one's getting retired. It's just going to be Salesforce now. Yep.
1: Well, I thought it might be Salesforce too. Like it's, was that a version number? What was that?
0: <laughs> it's unclear. It's unclear. Yep. Um. So, so well, did you want to talk about that?
1: Well, I just, I just thought. Well, I mean, first of all, that's one of those things. Like when, when you get that, that directive, it's just like, um, yeah, I think I'm going to get a new job actually, <laughs> <laughs> because that's just. I mean, that's going to be one of those things where no good deed goes unpunished. There's no winning. Yeah, it's going to be. You know, that's going to be, that's going to be an all-weekend job when you, got to, when you try to redo all that in production. And a million things are going to go wrong. There's no good way to do it. There's no right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Suggests suggest uh, finding a new employment. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to tackle it Yep. I it's mean, I guess I, security, I guess I would right? do it. I would just, you know, I would, I would bill commensurately for it. I mean, you know, it's got to be worth it. And that's just, that's a huge task.
0: Yeah. Are you on Do Not Disturb? I think so. Why? You hearing something? I don't know. I'm sending you stuff through iMessage and you're, oh. not, you're not responding.
1: Oh, no. I I've got I've got I'm on like, do not dis, do not uh disturb if it's John. It's like a okay. Oh, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> you you got the uh, the
0: Dream OG app. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so two people how do i block you. Um uh so it started with Shell. He started spamming me these things. Oh, God. Then I was like, I'm going to do that to Jeremy now. Yeah. <laughs> But we do have a community topic about that. I noticed
1: actually. I, I clicked on someone sent that. and I clicked the link to it, and that that app, stupid app, already has seven
0: reviews. I'm like, it took us like two years to get seven reviews, <laughs> and it's 65 meg. But we don't have we don't have uh, funny caricatures of ourselves to ha- put out there on, as okay, stickers. So is that is, is that an iOS app? It is right. Yeah, it's, it's part, it goes into the iMessage uh, as a sticker, and then you could. Now I don't have those emojis because I don't have that app. So I
1: guess it must it must um, send them as just as images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasting my. Now you're taking 65 meg on my phone now.
0: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't send them all; just part of them. Oh. Uh, so, so S- S- Stephen Stephen with no e. Stephen Noe. Uh, <laughs> he also thought that would be a good idea to share those with you. Oh, did he? Um, yeah. Thanks, Stephen.
1: But he had, That's exactly he, he what had I a wanted. couple of
0: things for us. He said. Uh, uh, Salesforce renamed their success community, which which oh, I'm yeah. about no, the, to yeah. the Trailblazer community. And his question is: This is a quiz for Jeremy. Uh, I don't. Do we have quiz music? No. I mean, we have. I don't know. You want some quiz music? It's just one one question. Here we go.
1: There we go. Unfortunately, I don't have any way to turn it down now because I don't have my mixer anymore. What? Yeah, no, I don't.
0: Well, I feel like I built this up for like two two words. Define Trailblazer. <laughs> And uh. <laughs> I probably should have like I probably should have just like picked this apart and came up with a whole quiz of it for you, but uh, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I like the headline. Here's my headline to this: The human resources have been rebranded. The human- <laughs> Salesforce rebranded their human resources. To, yeah, it's, tra- the, it's now called the Trailblazer Community.
0: The success community is now called the Trailblazer community, right? Yeah. Yeah. But now they have a success cloud, don't they? Didn't they announce that too? <laughs> so well, why isn't it the Trailblazer cloud? I don't know. It should be, right? It should be. The Trailblazer community cloud. I guess. Tra- trailblazer cloud. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. How do you feel about all this? So, well, so, well thought- first of all, what's your definition of a Trailblazer? And I don't mean like go to Wikipedia and get the definition or. Yeah.
1: It, it means someone that's, that, that's what's odd about it. It means someone that's, you know, going somewhere doing something that no one's done before. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, I mean, I don't know if you're doing trailhead. I mean, you're by definition,
0: you're, <laughs> you're doing something everyone's done before.
1: <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it's just branding. I mean, obviously Salesforce thinks they're getting a ton of mileage out of branding everything. I mean, everything's been trailheadified, right? Yeah. Dreamforce is all trailhead. Every event's all trailhead. I mean their success community. They've renamed their their volunteer human resources to be trailblazers now.
0: Yeah. Well who who is this targeted towards? I mean I don't I don't I don't want to bash I don't, don't want to bash it but I do want to ask some 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 fundamental questions because when when I, when, I, when I typically think about a company that's really heavy on mascots, really heavy on cute characters, they're usually selling something to consumers and usually they're trying to get their kids to get their parents to buy something. Um, I've never seen a enterprise co- software company do this at this level. I mean you might you have Linux, you have the 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 penguin uh, Microsoft had Clippy <laughs> Linux is
1: Linux is arguably not enterprise it's not enterprise software though it's like a hardcore
0: operating system yeah but I mean, I mean companies do have mascots on, I mean you yeah, have so the, like, well, the camel the Joe camel for the cigarettes well I mean, but to, to, on your Linux example look at Red Hat it's the
1: what's the Red Hat the, yeah it's Red Hat and that's not really a mascot though that's huh? not really a mascot who has a mascot for a, a logo a mascot well I mean like what inter- what big kind of enterprise company or whatever
0: I don't I know I don't know.
1: <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I just
0: think it's part of their marketing and distraction. Do you think so? So one, I, I asked myself that question. I thought, well, the only reason, the only thing I think of is that they're targeting this younger generation of people coming into the workplace. The millennials, who, yeah, the ben millennials. F, ben F loves the and millennials. This might resonate with them, and maybe I'm just like the old guy that doesn't get it. But That's exactly this, what it seems really childish. <laughs> to me. That's very self-aware of you, it, John. It I'm seems very childish to me and immature to be focused <laughs> on these characters and to run to get a picture with with Sassy and and Astro and whatever the Bears called and Einstein, which which I'm still pissed Johnna, about. That they turned John, Einstein into a freaking mascot, but I'll, I'll let that go. You just you need to feel the the Ohana love. Let it flow
1: through your <laughs> your soul, John. You need to feel. You need to become mindful
0: and get in touch with your. All aspects of yourself. I just, I just, we're we're playing with cartoon characters trying to build software and and do real work. I don't, I don't understand this.
1: Well, I've heard, I mean, we've heard plenty of other people talk about how they're, they're tired of the, the childishness, the silliness. They're taking the characters too far. I personally don't care. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I, do I wish they were spending money on fixing stuff instead of releasing apps to the app store with stupid stickers on them? Yes. But other than that, I don't care. I don't, (laughs)
0: they don't bother me. (laughs) They spent more money creating stickers than they did uh, Salesforce. One formerly Salesforce One, yeah. <laughs> this it
1: must make you question, like, where what? Where, how are they allocating these funds, considering that they're they're so strapped for, for excess mo- extra money, and the, so many of these serious problems just languish year after year after year in
0: the uh, known issues or the uh, ideas buckets. Well, I think we know the answer to that. They're a marketing company, not a yeah. software company. Yep,
1: sell the sizzle, baby. Sell it. The also the uh, along with I think this is a Winter eighteen thing. I'm not sure, but the IoT Explorer edition is now available. Have you checked mm. that out? No. Yeah, I mean, it's because they called it Explorer edition. I mean, I'm, it sounds like something that we could probably get access to. They can go explore with their IoT thing. That's something else. Was, they remember they, they made the announcement a few months ago that they rebuilt it on AWS because they had to fire Microsoft because they broke up. You know, yeah, uh, Mark and Satya broke up.
0: Yeah, he hasn't been talking about Sachin. No, they, they broke up like a year ago. It's, it's kind of sad. Yeah, it was a that relationship didn't last very long. I should have sent him some ice cream or something. Relationships are
1: are are hard, John.
0: As we know. Yeah, we do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have a question for you, and it's really not really just all source and that kind of stuff. But um, I saw that uh Mike, a guy named Mike Cohn, who's known for his uh scrum training and excellent. Excellent book author. He's uh what is he written that I like? Um, Agile estimating and planning. Great. I think he wrote that book. Great book. Also succeeding with Agile. Another good book. It's very sc- scrumish, but mm-hmm. um, tons of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a such a you know fountain of wisdom. Anyway, uh, I saw him. I think it was a tweet. He was talking about Zoom. This because uh, I'm always fascinated with these the, the various web conference and kind of collaborating software because they mm-hmm. seem to all suck in various different ways. And I've I've been hearing about you know, the couple that been percolating up more and more amongst people who aren't just corporate drones who just use enterprise software every day and they're so they're immune to shit software. They they can't even tell they're dealing with software. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, a little technical <laughs> snafu there. Anyway, um no people who I think have a, a good sense of 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 software, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, have there's a couple that I keep hearing about. One is Blue Jeans. you heard of Blue Jeans? No. The other is Zoom. I hear I heard, Zoom sounds familiar. Yeah, I think it's Zoom.us or something like that. But my, no, Mike Cohn mentioned it. Uh, and they and he pointed to a blog post they did recently and just talked about how people are using Zoom with for like agile teams um mm. with that have remote memory, either that are all remote or a certain percentage of the teams remote or whatever. And I think he said that they use it, but I just wanted to, I've got a little snippet from their blog post here. They, uh, it says, daily stand-up meetings are quick, and everyone on the team needs to participate every day. This is the primary mechanism that the team uses to mm, where'd I go manage itself and collaborate, making sure that everyone is on track and fulfilling their commitments. Uh, using software-based Zoom rooms, conference rooms for these meetings, makes it easy to establish a solid rhythm. The Scrum Master can set up a recurring meeting on the calendar for the team's Zoom room and specify that the meetings start and end automatically. Hmm. That is a awesome feature yeah that is it ends automatically it's like it's like I mean because you know so when you go around the room on your daily stand up like you, everyone really has to stick to their one or two minutes or whatever they get because
0: this this meeting will self-destruct <laughs> you gotta you gotta take the pleasantries out of the meetings right where everyone goes yeah, on the table do business. you have anything to add to this and, and, uh, Jeremy I you've know. been kind of quiet over there Do you, what do you think about everything we just said do you have anything exactly. to add before we end this meeting right. uh, and you're like I guess I'm forced to say something Uh no and or and, do I look bad if I say, no, nah, I got nothing. And no, this, this cool. forces you to do a particular thing, um, which is
1: a I think a foreign concept in a lot of areas, which is called respecting people's time.
0: Oh. <laughs> I noticed they're sitting though in these images. Yeah. They'd be standing for the stand up.
1: Well, the whole point of the stand up was to because it it makes it the idea was it keeps it'll keep the meeting short because people don't want to stand up for very long. Right. But if your meeting self destructs after at a certain time, then you don't, you know, you don't have to have that. That you know that incentive anymore anyway it says this ensures that meetings begin on time and end on time every day even on those rare days when everyone's working remotely and no one physically is present in the room but they've got these other features like there's a kind of like a, a common whiteboard and some other stuff and it's just kind of cool I just wanted to see if you'd ever used Zoom
0: before no because I don't I don't get to work on cool projects like you do where people are agile and everything I just get to write my code yeah and that's it
1: Yep. <laughs> Anyway, well, let's get to. I don't to, have fun
0: friends to play with.
1: Let's get to. We have some. You said some some kind of matters like review or something or questions or something. Yeah. Know, what do we have?
0: Uh, are you wanting to wrap this up or what do you? Well, we're an hour. I mean, we a couple hour. Of Things.
1: Okay. Well, let's. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so um, I'm I'm kind of through my stuff. So yeah. Oh, so you're done. I'm done. And you're I'm just, like, it, uh, I'm just gonna. Here, I'm gonna hang it up. You
0: can finish without me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that's the way you were. You get through your topics and I'm like, yeah, I'm bored. Yep. Let's let's, let's let's end this. Yeah. I don't care what you want to talk about. I'm just gonna catch up on some coding here. I've just got to rest some unit tests. Uh so I did have a question I wanted to ask you because you said you've been working with the REST API, I think, quite a bit to do some of the stuff you're doing. And I wasn't sure if that was the just a straight flat REST native API, or if you're writing your own REST API. So in this case, I think from the
1: story you were referring to, I was yeah, I'm just using the the standard Salesforce REST API. Hmm. Especially those, I was talking about like the
0: composite resource. Yeah. You can do like tree and batch and whatever the other one is. Yeah, because I'm working on something right now where I am writing my own REST API. And I've used it in the past for some very simple things. It didn't require a lot of methods. But this one, I do have quite a few methods. And I wanted to respect REST. And I wanted to have like a a routing URL. But I can only have one URL for every class. And I didn't want to create like a a bunch of different classes for every... API or every REST endpoint that I wanted to to so attack. The, the so the routing built. option. When,
1: okay, you're talking about doing uh, what's it called Apex REST, right? Or you're making right, yeah, right. The routing options and the it's just so limited. Yeah, I mean, compare it to whatever the .NET thing is, or um, like in you know I use Spring in the Java world, or just any
0: routing. I mean, but.
1: It's it's so limited, yeah. You yeah. have to you have to you have to create separate classes, and it's just it's so limited on what yeah, you can so do. Yeah, so I That's, ended
0: up just creating one class, and I built my own router and dispatchers. Yeah, it sucks. Just, and so I'm I'm over here writing a bunch of you know <laughs> red, now had, red, regular expressions. Now has to, no one to, done that? And hey, if we had the npm of Apex, you could just like you could
1: just grip, pull down whatever the you know just the awesome one and whatever <laughs> you know get get bug fixes automatically. You know, yeah, a, APM Apex Package Manager. AP, you could just do like an APM outdated and see what
0: needed to be updated. I, you know what? Having having to write this router and this dispatcher, I mean, it was code I wasn't expecting to have to write. Yeah. Um. So it extended my build time a little bit, but I was kind of disappointed. I was like, "This sucks." I didn't realize it, I it's couldn't do this. So
1: limited, I know. I was thinking,
0: it's, okay, I can have like multiple gets in this class, and and I'll be able to annotate the get with with the routing, like you can with other systems. Yeah. And like, nope. Right. That sucks. Yep. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's I don't understand Salesforce. Oh, why are you doing this to us? Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, there's there's some argument of people that say that you shouldn't be routing that way. That you should be doing more of these kind of microservices, and like each one, each class would be its own microservice and its own endpoint. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know about that. That seems like an overkill. Well, I mean, I can,
1: I, I think it just, I think if you just follow to the typical, you know, good software design principles, you will, you will have different classes respond to different endpoints just by the nature of like, yeah you know, single responsibility principle. That's true. I always treat the thing that is the first class that, you know, that basically gets called with the with the HTTP message, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always treat that as just a,
0: it's a class that its job is to deal with HTTP and then pass that message on to like a service class, which then gets And that's it, really what I know. wanted because now with the router and the dispatcher, I, I have like these multiple levels of having to report back errors. And then of course I have to capture and respond with the right error code for HTTP because I want to respect all that. Yeah. So it's it's not like, so I, you know, it's just, there's just a lot more extra work. So yeah. anyways, moving on. I'd like to see this router. Can you make
1: that, um, put that on GitHub or something? Or did, no, or, I or cannot. You do, and I, I cannot because it you would be billing.
0: illegal code. Well, you, if you're on the clock, yeah, unless your client says you can have it. Maybe I'm not they sharing then. any of my code yeah. anymore. I'm okay. not, not doing a blog or nothing anymore because someone's going to take my code <laughs> and they're going to use it. It's going to make me liable because it's my code gonna that copy prison, and it. And I'm going to go to jail <laughs> because my code is, you can't share code in this world. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. <laughs> you Grassroots. can. You just have to cross your T's and dot your I's, man. Uh, Squid is working on a new release. It's called Mil- 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 Miu. Miu? Miu. How do you spell that? M-I-L-L-A-U. It's named after the Miu Viaduct or Miu Viaduct. I think it's pronounced me you
1: a hey, squid way to way to go on picking a name <laughs> that you're that people know how to pronounce i know they need to work on some marketing there because that i mean i that's like the first rule of naming name it something that people know how to pronounce so they so they don't avoid I want to saying go back it to things like bonsai
0: we why? can we can have fun with bonsai I know. We, we, we
1: don't have what am i supposed would, to say for me you why you don't want because people will just avoid saying it now your people will avoid talking about your thing you know?
0: the, bonsai <laughs> you don't want that. Uh, yeah. Anyway. It's an interesting update. They, they have a, I'll just bullet point a few things. Now this is the part that I do doze off. Yeah, so he's going to doze <laughs> off. Um, I
1: like Squid. I the, the, like what I see. I like what you do with it. I just know nothing about it.
0: Well, they're hooking, they're still very focused on point and click and getting developers out of the equation, but um, they have worked really hard on, the, on integrating Lightning with the, the Lightning event system with Squid, so they're giving you the opportunity to be able to, to call and distribute those, those events and, and basically be able to interact with other elements of the pages through that. Um, they tra- came up with a new feedback management tool, which I like because I have a need for that with some of the things we build and wanting to get that feedback directly from users and, and put it into our, our, uh, our roadmap. Okay. There, there we go, roadmap. Um, they also have offline support, which is interesting. So they'll be, able to, they'll be able to cast some of your data for certain things and for certain types of components and certain types of scenarios with a bunch of caveats, um, but there's that. And I think it's supposed to be out October 31st. I was a little disappointed by the kind of deep dive webinar that I that I attended. It was,
1: you know, what every time they have this webinar, you you're disappointed. I know I am. Every t- every I, release, you say that. Yeah, I just think that you know your average squid developer. Uh, and that's it was a big scare quotes in case you couldn't hear those uh, through the through the audios. Um, Is not they're not yeah. they're, they're not digging it down as deep as you are. So yeah, they maybe have, that's you know, it. Because I, I really pick that thing apart and I dig in. Maybe um, they should just
0: do their own. You, you should get your own personal uh, webinar from them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. Yeah. No. Yeah. But anyways, eh, just putting that out there for those of you that use squid. I, I was actually surprised to see that we get a f- few questions in our community. About squid and things, you know, like that, I so. see it in the wild,
1: just pop up here and there. So I know people are using it. Yeah, so I like it. I do, I do too. They're nice people too. That's what I like about squid. Yeah. Some, some good folks, where not they? Aren't they? They're in like North Carolina or something. Where are they? Are they? In,
0: I thought they were in Tennessee. Maybe so. I might yeah, be wrong. somewhere yeah, yeah. out
1: out that way somewhere. I could point from here, and I'd be pretty close if I pointed <laughs> that way. <laughs>
0: just point to the east. Yeah. All right, John. This is your show. Keep keep it rolling. Uh, let's go to a review and then we'll wrap it up. How okay. about that? Um review is from Ralph. It's been a while, John. It is. We really appreciate it. <laughs> we we like getting feedback. Yeah. <laughs> we like knowing you still like us.
1: You know, and it's it's the all these podcasts do this, right? They everyone everyone tries to game the system. The more reviews you get, and you know what's a big another the I think the thing that drives this is the subscriptions number if you get a lot of people and this is a Mm. pretty much an ios you know itunes world but if a lot of subscriptions come in uh it like once or in a short time period that's how you get you know featured and get in the new and whatever no i don't know
0: anymore i but there's there's so many big media companies and big media personalities getting into podcasts these days uh, i mean the popularity podcast is growing but there, there's so many of these big hitters coming into it that already have like this as- well established oh, base. Yeah. No, you and I They're are just like- drowning us out. It's like us small guys just have no shot at getting featured. You and I are like a couple of tadpoles in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I know, <laughs> which is crazy. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. So, anyways, well,
1: I let's think, get- I mean, I think podcasting is going to be, I mean, one of the just the biggest, you know, me- media um out there, right? Yeah. I mean, radio, I mean, blog- radio it's going to absolutely kill radio. I mean, terrestrial radio. I, who can sit through ads and just, and the format, and, the, and it's not time-shifted? You know, it's who can deal with that? Well, the
0: time shift is a big plus, oh, being yeah. able to just download it and just listen to it at the speed you need to. I mean, some 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 shows I listen to are three hours long, and I, I, without that, I'd never get through them.
1: No, exactly. I mean, there's, and there's, there's radio shows I'd like to listen to. They're just not available as podcasts. podcast, so I just don't listen to them.
0: Yeah. Anyway, all right, review, Sorry. Uh, this is from Ralph. Uh, not just not just Salesforce development, software development in general is the title. Uh, there's yeah, like a, I think about today, we talked about C,
1: uh, CRC cards. We talked about the open-closed principle. Talked about stickers. Talked about, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. We talked about trailblazers. <laughs> yeah. All right, sorry. I need, a, I need a trailblazer hoodie. You don't have a hoodie? No, I don't have
0: oh, a man, hoodie. you're an MVP. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I said do. No, I don't. You don't Do even know if you. Have. How bad is that? You don't even know if you have a hoodie. I have like an MVP hoodie, but it's really nice fabric you're, you're the and most, really comfortable. You're the most and my wife stole it. Ungrateful, ungrateful. No, my wife stole it. I never get to use it. It's it's actually a really nice hoodie. Yeah, but uh, it was it's not a Trailblazer. I don't even have a Dreamforce bag. I've been to Dreamforce and Trailhead. And I've DX, got bags things. if you want bags. I, no, no, I got a nice thing.
1: MVP bag. I can give. you. I think they had them at Trailhead. Trailhead DX, but you have to you have to go somewhere at a certain time to get them, or I
0: don't know. I just like yeah, whatever. They had to mind control you to get it. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. they gotta make you follow the steps. Make sure you know your place. <laughs> make sure you follow all the instructions. Then you get your goodie bag. Well, if it's they re- training
1: you, if it's a real trail, training, you. then you'd have to follow like the rabbit poop or something to get to get to the bags. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, all, right. all right, all right. Sorry, there's a lot back to, to Ralph. Back to Ralph. Back to Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to love about the Good Day Sir podcast. Of course, Jeremy and John give you an honest, unbiased assessment of the Salesforce development landscape. Oh, I'm very biased. <laughs> <laughs> just not in the the usual way, probably. <laughs> but beyond Salesforce, the discussions are applicable to navigating the realities of large company and enterprise software development in general. Uh, the best part is that Jeremy and John have genuinely different points of view on topics. Yes, we do. Instead of two talking heads saying the same thing. Isn't it awesome? This is phenomenal. This is such an amazing community. Jeremy, how pumped are you? Uh, how excited I'm are you? I'm just, pumped. Yeah. I'm pumped and excited. Are you pumped and excited? I'm, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Each of them raise good points on a subject, listen to each other, and build on the insights of the other. Uh, maybe I do, but Jeremy's stubborn. Uh. <laughs> he says, I'm retired guy from episode 135, some wisdom in the rambling. And the discussion on my question is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. My only criticism, here we go, okay. is I don't drink. <laughs> mm. Well, I don't drink as much as these two, yeah. so I wouldn't miss the alcohol talk. Of course, I'm retired and they're still working with Salesforce, so I can understand their need to drink. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least he can, he can empathize, right? He, he gets it. Yeah. Of course, uh, the, the real reason I, I drank so much is because I was so nervous about being in front of the microphone, so that's how that started. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the whole uh, what'd you bring to drink segment started because I needed to calm the nerves. Yeah. But uh, now it's just for fun. And sorry I don't have any beer for you this week, John.
1: I am uh, I'm, I'm out of, you know, I'm out of interesting beers and also I don't have any new homebrews ready, but I will next week. Uh, well next oh, week you know is. A, next oh you're week? not gonna be here I'm not no gonna that's be here. good actually in a way because I am, I'm actually I'm kegging a beer this weekend but it won't be ready until probably a week after
0: that okay Yes, yeah, so I'll be out of town family stuff um, but yeah actually you know what I'm kegging two beers this weekend a, an imperial
1: style how are you gonna keg and go get beer this weekend cause I can walk and chew gum at the
0: same time I mean kegging takes you a, have more free time on the weekends than kegging takes an hour or so and I got like Kids' soccer games and birthday things, and, and additional drives to that, my, my, to th- do, my three nephews are going to be staying with us this weekend too. Oh, you have no chance. You're not. That's not going to happen. I'm, I know. <laughs> by the time I'm you, you'll get, your wife will give you one thing to one thing. You're like, you can either go to Oklahoma and pick up your beer, now, or you can keg. On top you of get this, to pick one. On top of this, I'm brewing on Sunday, which is a five hour process. <laughs> it's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> and the Cowboys game starts at three, so I've got to be done by that. So oh, I you I don't can, have to watch that. And I'm tired, tired of watching them lose. <laughs> Maybe if you don't watch them, they'll win. You know what? That would be tragic because then that would mean I
0: could i I couldn't watch any more games. My wife can't watch the Aggie games right now. Because they win. When she loses, because right? she <laughs> they win when she's not watching. So right. like all her friends told her she can't watch the games. Yep. And also Matthew gets scared when she watches the games because she yells. And so he mm, Yeah. Oh, I do too. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm annoying. Yeah. I'm one of these annoying people that I don't like. Isn't how sad is that? So you record yourself and then go... I no, I just, I, like I
1: just know guy. I'm one of those people that I don't like. Oh. But it's, as long as it's the Cowboys, it's okay. If it's any of your annoying
0: college teams, then it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's start wrapping this up. Uh, okay. Happy hour. Happy hour will be, we've decided. Okay. Did a little survey. And from the few people that responded, it seems like Wednesday, uh, which I think is like day three. Um, so first. Wednesday at Dream 4 uh, is Monk's Kettle. So we'll stay with that location. Uh, November 8th. That's a Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. And so if you want to sign up and you don't have to sign up but it'd be good to know that you're coming just so we can make sure we have enough room for people so you can go to gooddayserpodcastcom forward slash happy hour or just click happy hour in the menu. Um, just put your email address in let us know you're coming let us know how many people you plan on bringing and uh, yeah that's it. And while you're at the website if you
1: haven't joined our Slack community just click on community and you have to put it in your email address again. You should fill out our lead gen forms. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else, Sean? The Reviews are great.
0: Thanks. So lead, I want I to say lead Ralph gen form goes into the trash bin by I the way. I
1: want to say thank you to Ralph for the review. We haven't had one in a long time, so that's a very special thing. And it's it's one of these small things you can do to actually give back if you if you do like the show. So we really appreciate that. Um, send us an email at info at com if you have questions or if you have feedback. Or topics if you, yeah topics questions uh, anything you want us to cover on the show we'll pretty much talk about anything we're kind of cheap like that we're easy what else what else is in our back matter John uh, star us hard us share us yeah. socials all that good stuff so we can be rich and famous
0: that's what it's all about yep making it to Beverly Hills yep that's where I want to be <laughs> and to that I say good day sir <laughs> You get
1: nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. I want to be at Green Acres.